No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome back to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today, we consider the three annual feasts that Israel would eventually celebrate in Jerusalem and their meaning for us today. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Deuteronomy chapter 16 on Simply the Bible. Last weekend, we had our annual men's retreat. We call it man camp. It was a time for the men of our church to pull away from their normal routines, to worship the Lord, and to fellowship with other men. And what a blessed and wonderful time it was. There is biblical precedent for this. Because in the law of Moses, God required that the males of Israel would gather three times each year, leaving their homes and traveling to Jerusalem, where they would rejoice before the Lord and celebrate his feasts. They would reconnect with their friends and relatives. And that is what it means to be the Lord's covenant people. In the book of Leviticus, Moses gave detailed instructions concerning the religious feasts or festivals and how they were to be celebrated. In Deuteronomy, we have an abbreviated version. We pick it up in Deuteronomy chapter 16. Observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover to the Lord your God. For in the month of Abib, the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night. Therefore you shall sacrifice the Passover to the Lord your God from the flock and the herd in the place where the Lord chooses to put his name. The month of Abib would correspond to our March or April time of the year. Later, this month would be changed. The name would be changed to Nisan. But it would be the first festival and really the beginning of their sacred calendar, the first month of their religious calendar. Now, the purpose of Passover was to remind them of what God had done in delivering them from Egypt. And the Passover lamb would be sacrificed at twilight because back in Egypt they had killed the Passover lamb and put the blood on their doorposts and lintels above their door. And when the death angel came and saw the blood, then he passed over them, and death did not come into their homes. Verse 3, You shall eat no unleavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread with it. That is the bread of affliction, for you came out of the land of Egypt in haste that you may remember the day in which you came out of the land of Egypt all the days of your life. And no leaven shall be seen among you in all your territory for seven days. Nor shall any of the meat which you sacrifice the first day at twilight remain overnight until morning. Passover was also known as the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Really, the Feast of Unleavened Bread was the seven days after Passover, where they could not eat any leaven. Now, that was not only for the males in Jerusalem, but nobody throughout all of their country could eat any leaven. This was celebrating the fact that they had eaten the bread of haste when they got out of Egypt in a hurry, but also leaven in the scripture is a type or a symbol of sin. 
and it spoke of them being apart from sin, separated to God as his covenant people. Now, also, there were to be no leftovers. They would eat the meat the night that they would sacrifice it, and they could eat as much as they want, but they were not to eat any the next day. Verse 5, You may not sacrifice the Passover within any of your gates, which the Lord your God gives you, but at the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. There you shall sacrifice the Passover at twilight, at the going down of the sun at the time you came out of Egypt. And you shall roast and eat it in the place which the Lord your God chooses. And in the morning you shall turn and go to your tents. So this was a special sacrifice there were some animals that they could sacrifice within their city gates and eat, but not the Passover lamb. That needed to be brought to Jerusalem. They would do it all together at twilight, and then they would eat it together at the same time. At twilight, which was the time that they had left Egypt originally. Six days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a sacred assembly to the Lord your God. You shall do no work on it. So what was the purpose of the sacred assembly or convocation on the seventh day? Well, by doing no work, they would have no distractions. And it would be a time set apart for them to worship the Lord and to experience solidarity as God's covenant people. Now, each of these feasts has a future fulfillment. And the future fulfillment for the Passover feast, or the Feast of Unleavened Bread, was looking forward to Jesus Christ, who is our Passover lamb, who takes away the sins of the world. Also looking forward to the fact that Jesus is the bread of life, without leaven, or without sin. Now they place the lamb's blood on the doorposts and the lintels above the door, but we, by faith, apply the blood of Christ to our hearts. And when we do, our sin is atoned for and death passes over us. Verse 9. You shall count seven weeks for yourself. Begin to count the seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle to the grain. Then you shall keep the feast of weeks to the Lord your God with the tribute of a free will offering from your hand which you shall give as the Lord your God blesses you. You shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, the Levite who is within your gates, the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are among you at the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. And you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and you shall be careful to observe these statutes. Now the Feast of Weeks was in the May-June time of year, and it would be seven Sabbaths following Passover, plus a day, or 50 days, which was why it was also called the Feast of Pentecost, because 50 uh, relates to Pentecost in the Greek language. And the purpose of this was that they would offer their first fruits of their harvest to the Lord. It was a sign of the hope of a greater harvest to come. And God wanted them to bring a free will offering, whatever was on their heart to give to him. 
Unlike some offerings that were specified what they were to bring, this was purely to be from their free will offering. And that's really what God most desires. He doesn't want any of our giving, whether it's our time or our talent or our treasure, to be coerced. No arm twisting, no manipulation. He wants us to freely give because of gladness of heart in gratitude for what he has given to us. And thus, the rejoicing before the Lord was an emphasis with the Feast of Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks. Now, the future fulfillment was, of course, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, which was the birth of the church. And 3,000 souls came to know Christ that day and were baptized. And yet even these 3,000 souls were merely a first fruit of all of the souls who would come into the kingdom through faith in Jesus Christ. Definitely a great time of rejoicing. Verse 13, you shall observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days when you have gathered from your threshing floor and from your wine press. And you shall rejoice in your feast, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, and the Levite, the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow who are within your gates seven days. You shall keep a sacred feast to the Lord your God in the place which the Lord chooses, because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all the work of your hands, so that you surely rejoice. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles was in the September-October time of the year, and this was after their harvest. So it was also known as the Feast of Ingathering. Now, one of the things that's not mentioned here, but that they would do during the Feast of Tabernacles was to build tabernacles, booths, out of branches, and it would commemorate when they were staying in the wilderness for those 40 years. Once again, the Lord specified that they would rejoice before him, but this time it would really be because God had provided for them the harvest. And so, the harvest being a glad time of the year, they would rejoice before the Lord in all that he had blessed them with. The future fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles is really in the Millennial Kingdom. It's the one feast that's mentioned during that thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ when he shall return to the earth and reign on the throne of David in Jerusalem. And there, all of the nations will come to the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem. And if they don't come, then God won't give that nation any rain. So it'll be a good incentive. Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed every man, shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. So three times. I mean, our guys have it easy. They only have to leave uh, their work and so forth one time out of the year for a man camp. The males in Israel had to leave three times in the year to come and gather in Jerusalem for these festivals. And 
The women could come too. They weren't required to. Now we know that in the book of Luke, we read about Joseph and Mary and Jesus all going to Jerusalem for the Passover. Uh, Certainly the women and children were welcome, but it wasn't required because women often would have to stay home with their small children and it wasn't practical. But the point was that they were not to come to the Lord empty-handed. They were to bring the offerings with them, and it was to be an offering of gratitude and of joy. But you wouldn't come without anything, just like you wouldn't go to your family Christmas dinner and not bring food or a gift or both. Um, You wouldn't come to the Lord empty-handed. In all of this, God was teaching them that it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that really ought to be our attitude as we seek to serve the Lord, to be able to be, as the scripture says, a cheerful giver, for the Lord loves a cheerful giver, especially with regard to the things that we give to Him. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Israel was a unique nation in that it was a theocracy, but it wouldn't be long until they would want to be like other nations and have a king. Next week, we'll consider the instructions Moses gave to their future king. We hope you'll join us as we continue through the book of Deuteronomy on Simply the Bible.